0: Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the final episode for 2017 of the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Jeremy Smith, Tom Scholes, and Samuel Rook. The winter break is upon us now, and that can only mean one thing. It's time for our half-term award. So get suited up, but before all that and a look at the midweek action we had on Wednesday here are your latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain finished 2017 on top of the tree with a 3-1 win against Kong to end things with a flourish. Goals from Edinson Cavani, Kylian Mbappe and Yuri Ber- ended, uh, Well, earned the Parisians' top spot with Javier Pastore crying after being taken off in what could be his final game for the club, as was alluded to by his agent after the game. Monaco are the best of the rest as they beat Rennes 2-1 thanks to a kaita Balde strike in the final 10 minutes, while Lyon are behind them just on goal difference thanks to earning the same scoreline at Toulouse. Marseille got back on the horse with a 3-1 victory over Troyes, Dimitri Payet scoring for only the second time this season as Nantes stayed in fifth thanks to a late strike from Emiliano Sala away to Amiens. Mets earned their first back-to-back victories of the season with an impressive 3-0 win over Strasbourg, with Emmanuel Riviere scoring the pick of the goals, while Angers jumped out of their recent slide as they came from behind to beat Dijon 2-1 with a brace from Carl Toko Ikambi. Bordeaux were again humbled as they lost 2-0 to Montpellier. Saint-Étienne recorded just 85 passes in their 2-1 defeat to Gangomp. that saw Alexander Söderlund sent off in the first half, while Lille rounded off proceedings by battling back to earn a point at home to Nice in a one all draw. Also in off-the-field news regarding Lille, they have appointed a new manager in the face of, oh, in the shape of Christophe Galtier. There is no further information of how long that contract is just yet, but the club have just confirmed this on their Twitter feed. And that's the news. But remember, to stay up to date with everything French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with a look at Wednesday's action, and in particular. The traffic jam we have all over the league table. Three points separate 13th to 19th. Then there's a three point gap between 13th and 12th. And then a further three points that separate 6th to 12th. Uh, add to that Metz's second win in a row. And it's all gone a little bit crazy just before we go on a small winter break. And we spoke on Monday about the log jam that's slowly creeping at the middle of the table, but also the fact how important a win really could be for the bottom side Uh, and your team, obviously, Jez. Um, We said it on that show, it might just give them the glimmer of hope that maybe if they get something in the January transfer window, then there might be a miracle on the horizon. Is that possibly still something that they can gain after this fantastic result against Strasbourg?
1: It's possible. It's still very unlikely and in a sense the 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 break has come at the worst possible time for them after suddenly picking up some form but the the transformation in in morale i guess at, at the club is in the last week i mean this time last week they had five points they've more than doubled that in a week um the transformation is unbelievable and certainly at least everyone sort of going into the break with a, with a bit of hope, um, not feeling sort of as embarrassed as, as we were a week or so ago. Um, and it's, you know, it's been the manner of the victories as well. Montpellier wasn't the greatest performance, you know, we were relatively uh, lucky in the sense that um, we sort of scored with every chance that we had. But, you know, against Montpellier, who who don't who until that match were the were the best defense in the league. Um, that's a good sign. and also one of one of Messi's biggest problems this year is at times they have played half decent stuff. They just haven't been able to put the ball in the back of the net. So um, six goals in the last two games is is great stuff. And yeah, whereas against Montpellier they were maybe a little bit lucky against Strasbourg. Um, I mean, right at the start, Strasbourg hit the post and if they scored that that could have been different but after that mess were were clearly the better team made some really good chances um now on i think five assists for for the season which is particularly impressive considering he missed the the first month or so i think um you know ruse ruse got five goals which isn't a bad haul for a team that struggled so much to score riviere scoring sort of Zidane-like pirouettes. <laughs> um, it's looking a lot better now, and um, I, you know, every, I think everyone thought that Hans was a good, good appointment. It just felt like possibly it was um, a bit too late that the ship had already sailed. It might still prove to be the case, but certainly he's he's restoring a bit of pride, a bit of fight, a bit of um, entertaining football for, for for the first time in a while. And they've got something to aim at. I don't think it's un- an unassailable lead. Uh, not lead, deficit. But um, the first, I think the first three matches in, in January are pretty important because they start with Dijon away, which isn't easy at all. They've got a very good home record this year. Then two matches later, they're away at Monaco. They're unlikely to get anything. From there, and then the middle match is at Holmes to St Etienne, which in the form they're in suddenly seems like a huge bottom of the table match. If Mess can get maybe sort of you know four or six points somehow out of those three games, then I do think that they're really back in the fight. Um, yeah, I, I still wouldn't, I don't think I'd put up any money on them staying up, but at least now I'd think about it. Whereas this time last week, I'd have just laughed at you if you'd suggested it.
0: Yeah, it was a really or cried interesting... at you, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was an interesting <laughs> game. I mean, Mollet is maybe getting ahead of himself by taking his shirt off and showing it to the fans just yet. I don't think he's quite quite got that status. But what a <laughs> goal from Emmanuel Riviera as well. Where, I don't know where he's even found that kind of finish from, really, to be fair with a with the back heel goal. It was a really lovely strike. But that is <laughs> So was the, we mentioned this as well. I, I did at least on Mondays. It's it's the hope that kills you, though, isn't it, Jess? I mean, yeah,
1: that's the thing. Have
0: it having that little bit of a carrot dangled in front of you just when you need it, especially when you think, oh, then they're in, get, get a little bit of form. They're only seven points off Orange, eight points off Lille. There's a whole half the season to go. Do you really go for it and sign? I mean, if they'd not won that game, you think, well, they may be settling and build for league there. But um, now it's, it's you've just got that sniff of something because uh, again. The worry, Sam, is that another team that have struggled in the last couple of weeks in Angers picked up their own win coming from behind against Dijon and Toko Kambé scoring the double as well. It was a really nice win for the team, but we mentioned again on Monday that Toko Kambé, for me, feels like one of those players that, especially a a mid-table to struggling Premier League side, that's the kind of player they love sniffing around in that January transfer window. Do you worry that, even though they got a positive result, if they lose a player like that, um, they might really struggle in the second half of the season.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's one of the highest goal scorers in the league and if they were to lose him, they would be in big trouble. We know they've had a lot of trouble scoring goals in general and that's with him in the side. Uh, I think when he was out earlier in the season, they they ground to a complete halt just about. Um, and I think you're right when you say that Premier League teams... Would love a player like that. They see him, someone like him. They could get him fairly cheap. They think there's goals in that. You see how well Munoz uh, done at uh, at Huddersfield. There, this was, would be it would be a, a shrewd move for a Premier League side to make and, and that would be devastating for Angers because they're they're in big big trouble. They really. Are. I mean, you know, they're only Matts holding them off the bottom of the table, and if they were to lose easily, their most important man, they'd be in even bigger trouble still. Yeah,
0: that's a, a real worry. But a great three points to get to claw everyone back into that hole because, we were, again, when we were having the relegation talk that there was a couple of teams maybe starting to separate themselves. But just at that moment, everyone's clawed back into things. And it's probably, um, Tom, looking like an interesting point for Leo. But then you look at the two sides, well, three sides above them, they all lost to lose maybe... Um, <sighs> could have nicked it at the end. They they got sort of back into the game a little bit against Lille. Uh, Bordeaux and Sancti and sort of containing their current form of Santettie I, I, I this is the team I really want to focus on because uh, there's a cracking stat in this one Tom for you. Um it's one of the best ones I've seen. I I'm, I think Jez was tweeting about it as well earlier that in that Santetien game against Gangomp there has been 4, sixty-seven sorry matches since 2006 2007 that Opta have taken stats on in Liga. This is only the third time in history that a team has done less than 100 passes in that game with wow. 85. Being for Satie. The other two attempts, ironically, the two, other, the two other times that a team has not done less than 100 passes, they've won. Um, so that is even stranger. <laughs> but is that a, that's a real indictment of how dire Santetti are doing. Because this isn't against a Paris Saint-Germain or a Monaco. This is against Mid-Table Gangon. <laughs> yeah. Alarm bells should be
3: ringing. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, you get some people out there that... You, I think you could look at one manager in particular going to the Premier League, you know, big Sam Allardyce that, you know, you probably would look at him and think of his teams as making pass after pass and making all these hundreds and hundreds of passes and they still get the victory. But I don't look at this San Etienne team and think, OK, they're not going to pass it, but they're not resilient. And that's where the danger is. If if you're willing to give up that much of the ball and you're not willing to make it that many passes or create anything along those lines, you know, using using the passing style and, you know, fluid play then you've got to be resilient at the bank you've got to be able to soak up pressure and if you know if you're going to set up that way you've got to go counter-attack or you just settle for a nil nil hope for the best they don't look like they can do any i'm looking at the table now and you know excluding Mets, sorry it's really interesting down there because you look at for, i'd probably say for about Amiens and down any team on any given week could win they can also lose and they can any type of result can happen because it, it seems so unpredictable but to give away that much of the ball uh, and not have the resilience to be able to come out and defend that stat that's an incredible stat that's one of my favourites I think I've heard in a long long while and as you said the other two teams that were involved they won so they must have done something different, completely different to San Etienne apart from win, obviously but San Etienne just didn't seem to come in with a game plan and i think that's indictment of their season really everything looked like it had a plan but they quickly realized that you know there was no plan or at least the plan had gone and they're just they're trying to do something and they're throwing they're throwing mud at the wall and hoping it sticks and in this case i think that i think that might be the case they 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 look like they're in danger and I don't know what's going to save them so far. It might be simply that other teams are worse off than them. Mm, yeah, it's it
0: starting to look like that, especially with that log-champ. But uh, Another important one, really, and we'll, but we'll cover co- uh, very quickly a couple of the other games. And I, I do want to mention Bordeaux, um, Jez. They, they've lost again against the Montpellier side that have impressed quite a bit this season, but they've obviously had a couple of, of strange results as well. But we were met this really, Gorvonek was sort of sitting on a knife edge for a little while now. Um, do you think that maybe they might think of a change of manager over the over the winter break and, and start anew and bring someone else in with fresh ideas because it's been up and down for Gorvonek really at Bordeaux, but he's in an abysmal run that he, he can't seem to work his way out of. Um,
1: it is a horrific run. I, I, I think that a couple of weeks ago it looked like his, his days are numbered and the, the sort of noises coming out of the club at the moment are that they are going to stick with him. Um, I'm a bit biased because I I love Gurbanek, but um, I I think that possibly is the right thing to do. I just I think he's possibly earned enough credit both at Ganga and maybe with his start at Bordeaux that um, they they should stick with him a bit longer. And although it it really is an abysmal run, I think that they showed such good stuff at the start of the season that. You know, it could be sort of taking one step forward, but ending up going two or three steps back if they get rid of him. So I certainly hope that they show a bit more patience. Um, and I just, I just get the impression that things are run a little bit better there than Saint-Étienne where it just seems chaotic all the way up. You know, even down to the fact that they've got. There, there was an interview with um, Oscar Garcia this week, and he wouldn't go into specific details about why he left but he did say that it was impossible to function at a club where there's two presidents (laughs) um which which doesn't sound like a big surprise at all um so i think they're in a big mess i think i wouldn't be surprised if dupras loses his job at toulouse but yeah i I get the impression that gulwaneck may well stay and and i really hope he turns things around but i think they need to sign um, certainly a defender or two during during the transfer window, and um, somehow find the Depreville that was playing for Lille last year.
0: Mm, yeah, um, I mean, the lucky thing for a lot of those bigger teams around there is, is twice still in touching distance, so is Amiens, obviously they're both being promoted sides, and then there's only really a three-point gap then to Strasbourg, to Korn, to Dijon. Everyone's still within sort of reach of everyone, which is very strange to sort of, have at this side of the season. I mean, there was a good win for Paris Saint-Germain on Mbappe's birthday, getting a a couple of goals with his newly died here, which I'm I'm not totally convinced about, at least. Lyon and Monaco picking up solid wins, although a little bit tough. Uh, Marseille continuing their form against a Trois side that have sort of been in and out of games they send to either win or lose. They don't really have any in between. It was an interesting final weekend as we sort of go to our, winter break and that's where we head now to our half term awards and I do love this time of the year and we're going to start with our half term 11 and how this will usually work it will all, all the words will work really is we'll ask our panel for all their opinions I also have written down because unfortunately Rich couldn't be with Rich Allen couldn't be with us but I have his nominations at least anyway we'll go through all of those I will pick a winner as, as head judge. Usually, it will be Democratic anyway. If he, someone has the most votes, they will automatically be in unless I am needed. Um, we'll pick a, be in a 4-4-2 style formation. So there will be two fullbacks, two centre-backs, two midfielders that are central that are allowed to either be attacking midfielders or defensive midfielders as well, two wingers and two strikers. And we'll also go for manager and then through the other rewards, which are disappointment, surprise and the one to watch for 2018 so we will start in goal and I'll start with you Sam who has impressed you the most in this first half of the league and season
2: um, it's been a good season a good start to the season for goalkeepers I've seen a few that have that have looked good but I think Mike Manuel of Lille is is my tip uh, I know he had a disastrous game against PSG but apart from that he's looked really good and he's been decisive when Lille have needed him he's won them points in a way that not a lot of other goalkeepers have done, so he's he's my tip.
1: Uh, Jess, who's your goalkeeper? Um, I was torn between um, Leconte and Ariola. Th- Ariola's had a couple of dodgy moments, but in terms of the the improvement from last year and. I don't know if we're allowed to count Champions League matches, but I think he's been fantastic for PSG in Champions League and made a made a big, big difference um, at that end of the pitch for them. So, so my pick is Ariola.
3: Tom, when I was picking this team, I said to myself, "Okay, I know who the attackers are, so I'm going to go quite light on PSG players." And I took, I was thinking about Ariola, and I thought, "Yep, yeah, he's you know he's had one or two moments that." It looked like the old one from last season, but on the whole, he's improved in, in every competition he's played in, but decided, no, I can't, if, if I was going to go on that viewpoint, it'd be like seven PSG players in the rest of the league. Mm. So I've decided to avoid that avenue and I've gone for uh, Leon's Anthony Lopez, because I like him. I think he's a really good goalkeeper and I think he's done you know reasonably well this year. I know, that's, I know it sounds quite odd to pick somebody because they're not another player, but I thought it'd just be fair for the, the sake of the team to have a bit of balance and not have a team of PSGs. So, Anthony Lopez, uh, ALO, is my goalkeeper. Mm, yeah, and this will be
0: quite a nice one. I think this is the toughest one out of the lot, and we start out the gate with that because Richard's pick is Tatarasanu, who's another person I was thinking of, who had an excellent real start to the season, no... I've had a lot of clean sheets and he's been really excellent this between the sticks. But there's, there's five names that we've all picked out for goalkeepers. So it does leave the decision up to me. And I was thinking possibly Lopez. He's had a good re- lot of recent appearances. I was thinking Leconte as well. Uh, he's been pretty good this season as well. I think he's an interesting pick. I'm going to stick with Rich's choice of Tatarasano. I think he's an excellent little purchase from maybe one of the best signings of the summer um, for such a little amount and such an unheralded goalkeeper, the Romanian. He's made some really important saves. He's had some really important displays. He's not put too much long. I remember there was a brief mistake in one of the games a couple of weeks ago, but that's maybe the only thing that I'm thinking of. That defence overall has been fantastic over the last couple of weeks. So Tatarasano will be our goalkeeper for the start of the season. So, let's go for fullbacks now. So, I will want a right-back and a left-back from both of you. If you can choose someone that is in those realms, that will be best. But I'll start with you, Jez. Uh, fullbacks for me.
1: Okay. So, right-back, I was torn between four. Suke, just because I love him. Tete, because I think he's been really good for Lyon. Lala partly for the name but also because i think he's great but (laughs) i've gone for keeping with with um the theme of nantes and what a good defense they've had i think dubois is one of 1's very underrated players um i think he's he's been a great leader for them a solid defender he scored um a worldie he he pretty much earned them the win single-handedly last weekend against angers um I think he won the penalty and had a very good game, so um Dubois is my cho- my choice, but it was tough and then left back um torn between Amavi and Roussillon, um both of whom I like a lot. I've just gone for Amavi. As much as anything, to shut up people who think I hate Marseille. <laughs> <laughs> if only that shadows it for maybe the briefest of moments, at
0: least. Just.
3: <laughs> How about you, Tom? What, who are your fullbacks? Well, right back. Uh, I know I said earlier about the goalkeepers. That I wasn't going to go quite heavy on PSG, but he's one of my favourite players possibly ever. I like his character. I like what he's added to the team. Uh, Danny Alves. You know, it might be somewhat controversial. It might be the big name, but. You know he's not—he's not even my favourite right back at the club at the moment, but he's <laughs> impressed me quite a lot since he's come in. Especially, you know, if we, I don't—I know—it's a Liga team of the half season, but kind of can't discount the Champions League performances when it comes to PSG, and I think he's impressed me on that one. So he's my right back pick as in terms of uh, in terms of the left back, I was torn. Jordan marvin or you know if he hadn't have kicked someone in the head, Patrice Evra, no. I'm joking. It was a uh, my pick is like you, Jeremy. It's Jean and Amavi because I think he's, you know, all joking aside. Patrice Evra it was coming to the end of his, his career and he he was clearly, you know, showing signs of going down, uh, going downhill. And I think Amavi is, is what they is what they've been looking for. He showed signs when he was at Aston Villa of what he could what he could bring, and you know he, he never quite fulfilled it due to injuries. But I think he's, I think he, he's impressed me. Sam, who are your fullbacks?
2: Um, I'm pretty much in agreement with, with everyone here. I think Danny Alves is the most one of the most fun players in the league. He's just, he's just great. I uh, just love, love watching him play. And so he's he's my right-back. Uh, and then at left-back, uh, again, I was torn between Roussillon and Amavi. And I went for Amavi uh, for resilience the, and the fact that, you know, he, he won that battle with Evra pretty decisively. And, and he's really improved. You know, he's making assists. He's making things happen he's a big part of why Marseille are up there in the top four and, and really competing. And I think he's been really, really good. And how disappointing his Premier League spell was, it's it's great to see him come back and do really well on the game again. Yeah, I,
0: I, this one's pretty easy. I think the richest picks are, are Kenny Tete at right-back and um, Bakayi Di Bassi from Amiens at left-back, which is an interesting one. He's had a, a decent season as well. But for my personal picks, at least anyway... I would have gone for Roussillon, I think I think he's been superb. I I think he's been great as a left back and a left wing back. He's been a real linchpin of that mono, uh, the mock player side. Both pre- maybe predominantly going forward, but he has helped sort of defensively. He he's a nice linchpin because they don't have the greatest sort of dynamism in midfield in terms of going from defense to attack. He really adds to that, and he's he's playing the final third has really, really excelled this season. and I, There's no doubt that he's going to be a player that a lot of teams, especially in League 1, will look at come this, well, if not the winter, at least the summer. Um, but our left-back will definitely be Jordan Amavi as point of commitment. He was definitely my second-place one. In right-back, it's a little bit more competition. I mean, I would have possibly gone for Tete. Lala's had a great season. I think, Jez, you make an excellent point about uh, uh, Leo Dubois. He's been absolutely sensational for not as well. It looks like he might still be on his way to Marseille sooner rather than later. That's the rumour in the at least the French papers at least anyway. But it is Danny Alves as pers- as player of Canipity. He has been really good this season, but in all honesty, we've had quite a few really good right-backs. Tete was superb especially in that Paris Saint-Germain game where he marked Neymar out the game. He was absolutely excellent there. I think Kenny Lala's been a, a, a super player for for Strasbourg really, both defensively and offensively offering them both sort of things, which is the ideal thing you really want to see from full-backs. But it is Danny Alves that wins it. So, on to centre-backs. And I will start with you this time, Tom. Who are your two centre-backs?
3: My number one is... Surprisingly, given what I said earlier, i have really regretting what I said earlier about the PSG thing. Cause it's, I've thrown it completely out the window. I went for the right back, and for the first centre back, it's Marquinhos. I think he's he's grown a lot. I think this season he's always been a really good player. I, I, I personally, I've, I've, I don't want to sound like. Um, the, the type of person oh, I, I saw him before he was here, but when he was at Roma, he was a really impressive youngster. and You always thought he had it in him to be quite uh, a, a clever player, uh, almost a leader in a way. And I think this season, I think we're show we're seeing what he's like when he's when he's uh, on top form. You know, everyone's had a bit of doubts about Thiago Silva, uh, his temperament and his leadership in big games, and I think Marquinhos is slowly, you know. Showing that if you put them two together, they can really work well as a unit. And I think they had a good year last year. Well, I say a good year, but they had a in terms of their development as a as a a duo, they did well together. And I think this year he's come out onto his own. He's really impressed. As for the other centre back, I was quite stuck with this one. And there's a lot of there's a lot of players that I looked at, and I thought "Mm, maybe, but Montpellier. Uh, uh, the 20 year old no, I'm going to have trouble pronouncing this name and I know I am uh, Mukiele or Mukele? Nori Mukiele I was closer than I thought yeah. I was I like <laughs> him I think he's for a young uh, for a youngster I think he's done well he's in, he's impressive in one of the I think it is statistically the best defence in the league is it yeah. I might be wrong see there you go I knew this choice had purpose <laughs> But he, them two have impressed me, and I think what comes down to it as well with uh, with with these two is that they're so young. Well, I say so young, but in terms of central defenders and and how they how they play, they're really young, and I, I like seeing. Sometimes I get get more pleasure out of seeing a good young central defender than a good young attacker because, it, you know, it takes a lot more to be a top defender in my opinion, a top central defender than it does to be a, a goal scorer. And I, I really enjoy seeing young defenders play and these two have taken my eye. Jez, who are your centre-backs?
1: Um, I also struggled with this. It's weird. It's usually a, a position <coughs> where I think that there's, um, there's usually quite a lot of strength and depth. Um, but while I think there's been a lot of decent centre-backs so far this year. I, d- I don't think there's been many standouts. Um, my first choice is also Montpellier, but it's um, Pedro Mendes. Um, I think he he started well at Rennes, and then his sort of Rennes career petered out a little bit. Um, so it was an interesting move to Montpellier, and I think he's been excellent in the centre for them, and a big part of their, their strong defence. Um, I could just as easily have gone for Hilton, but I just think Mendes is a little bit more mobile, possibly a little bit more dangerous, and in sort of attacking set pieces as well. So um, I really, i really liked the look of him this year. My my second choice, I kind of regret it a bit. I think maybe I was being a little bit flippant, but I went for um, but um, Bakari Kone at Strasbourg mm-hmm. <laughs> just because um, I think Strasbourg have had a good season. I, I I wanted them to have a bit of representation in my team and um i just think he's a fantastic character you know when he was at at Lyon as well he's had his moments um this year i think he's only had one possibly dodgy moment i think maybe a an own goal but then i think he cancelled it out by scoring at the right end in the same match um i think he's been a good leader and um you know really really helped the Strasbourg defense um yeah strong character i think his nickname's the colonel which suggests that he's a bit of a leader as well um I like it. I've always liked it. I've always rooted for him and even when it goes wrong for him, it's usually done in such a comical way that it is it's sort of good value for money anyway. <laughs> Sam, who are you going for? Well,
2: I'm actually going to complete the Montpellier back three and I'm going to go with Hilton. Um, I thought about Michele but the man next to him who's literally double his age, I mean it's just a marvel that at 40 years old you could be playing this well and be so vital to a team that, as Tom mentions, the best defence of the league. Uh, I mean, that's just incredible. It's a great story. It's great fun. I mean, you know, how can you take your eyes off a 40-year-old man playing against these, you know, young, exciting athletes and he's just completely holding his own. So Hilton for me and then uh, alongside him, um, I've gone with Monaco's Camille Glick. Uh, given the changes that Monaco have had, given how they've sort of struggled and he's still playing really well. He's played every minute of league uh, on of football this season and uh, yeah, I just think he's He's kept his standards high, uh, where perhaps some of his teammates haven't quite done so. Uh, I think that's worth recognition.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm a big fan of Glick, but he doesn't quite make my team this year. They only got again a <laughs> fair nicer uh, smorgasbord of names, but the ones that Rich has gone for is uh, Diego Carlos of Nantes, who's uh, they've had a terrific season really at the back as well. He's been a, a real big part of that at the. And for Le Caroneri, he's been. I've really liked Diego Carlos. To be fair, he's a really strong sort of combative centre back. I, I do really like him. But the first choice in our team is Pedro Mendes because he's also in in Rich's team. That Montpellier defence has been absolutely superb but he's been a big part of it and like you mentioned Jez he didn't really get off to the greatest of starts at Wren. it was a it was an interesting move sort of the opposite Ben Cibaini move really and uh, it was nice to see him really pick up his game next to who is absolutely going to be in my team and he is an our team of the half season and that's Vittorio Hinton because how can a 40-year-old man be so good at centre-back I mean we know that not many players tend to make it over 33 nowadays without someone criticizing how old or decrepit or unable to run or or have no skills left in the game and this man keeps going again and again and again and again and to have someone like pedro mendes who's maybe a bit of a unknown quantity in league and in terms of at Times in the past not really doing well at Wren, and then having someone like Nordi Mukielo, because they sometimes play that sort of back three with him playing more as a centre back rather than a right back. Having him next to him as well as a twenty-one year, what a twenty-year-old, uh, sorry, what a what a great person to learn off than Vittorio Hilton, and he's been absolutely sensational. He is absolutely in our team, and that completes our defence. But we are on to the midfield, and I'm going to start with the players. In the middle, please, first, gentlemen, and I'll start with you, Sam. Um, Who are your wingers for this side?
2: Uh, The wingers, uh, my wingers, uh, I think it's pretty difficult to go past the PSG pair of uh, of Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. I mean, PSG blow teams away, and a big reason why they do it goes to, um, it might be a bit sneaky putting them on uh, flanks of a four-man midfield, but that's how I'm going to do it. And, uh, yeah, I just thought that you can go past either of them. Goals, assists, unbelievable pace, skills, everything. These two are a joy to watch. I know Neymar and, and Mbappe as well, really, the, their transfers were a little bit not not ideal from perhaps a Ligue 1 fan's perspective, you know, superpowering the superpower. But they are tremendous fun to watch when they get going. Just, just a brilliant pair of, uh, of wide midfielders for me.
0: Yeah, this is a fantasy football team. We're allowed to stick to essentially quote-unquote forwards now on our wide wings. That's all right. Don't worry about that. That's exactly the kind of thing I'm looking for, at least. Anyway, uh, Tom, who are
3: your two wingers? I'm going to have to go with the same as Sam. I've just looked back at, my, at the notes I made You know, when I was coming up with this team, and I've realised that my midfield has no balance. This would be the most attacking team... I might have ever seen if this was a real one, but yet Neymar and Mbappe Bappe together, you you can't look past them. There's been so many. There's been, there's been players in this in this league this season that I've really been impressed with. You know, Tolvan is another one that I, I considered for the wing position, but unfortunately he was just pushed out even in the in the middle position. But he was another player that I looked at but then you compare them and just go, but you can't leave them two out. They've been so good. And as you, as Sam said, they're superpowering the superpower and it might not be healthy for the overall competition for, of the league, but for someone that sits down and watches them and it, 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 it's fun to watch them. And I think that's what's important with this. Not only do they score bags of goals and they provide assists to Cavani, but when they're really going and when they're really on song, it's fun to watch. And they are really dangerous. And they're, possibly running away with this, it seems. But,
0: Jez, can you stop the Neymar and,
1: and uh, Mbappé train? Um, yes and no. <laughs> um, I I pre- well first I think I prepared my team on the basis of 4-3-3. Basically, the only reason I'm hesitating is it all depends on... No spoilers, but Fekir's in my team, so it depends if I want him as a second striker or not. If I choose to have him as a second striker, then, yeah, I would go Neymar and Mbappé. Um, Tovar, this is the thing that I keep getting stick for I would, I'm would, i still not absolutely convinced I'd have Malcolm ahead of Tovar on the right wing but if Fekir is my second striker then yeah, I agree Mbappe on the right, Neymar on the left if not I think Fekir a couple of matches ago played on the right and played pretty well, so I'm a bit more comfortable putting him there, in which case it's either Mbappe or Neymar on the left and I would, I think, go, I'm going to go Mbappe. Um, Neymar, I think, in a a one-off match, possibly Neymar. But I just think Mbappe's more reliable in that I think he turns up every match, whereas Neymar, I think, picks and chooses when he can be bothered. Yeah,
0: I, I do admit that sometimes my rules are mildly confusing at least what I'm going to count Fakir as is his natural role of an attacking midfielder therefore he's in our middle central duo Um, so uh, if you want to adjust on that. So I didn't even
1: consider having him there. That's fair
0: <laughs> <laughs> you see I'm going out all out guns blazing this is my your sort of fantasy football <laughs> dream team I'm putting as many attacking players as I physically can put on this team so I will count Fakir just for future update for everyone else because we all know he's probably in this team anyway. Fakir will count as a central midfielder. So, Jez, is it Mbappé and Neymar, just to confirm? Um, in that case, then, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're... <laughs> I don't really. I should lay these rules out much more clearly next time, and I definitely will do. But um, because Rich has really gone the same tier of having Fekir as a winger, he's also put Tovan in. No Neymar or Mbappe in Rich's team, which is interesting. I think that you kind of have to have both of them in. Uh, It's obviously already voted as unanimous. Tovan is pretty unlucky. He's had a really good season, to be fair, but he's not quite maybe on their level yet. And uh, admittedly, <laughs> who really is at the moment, to be fair? They've both been terrific in Liga. They've I, th- fight, I think you know, Neymar
1: and Mbappe are sort of victims of their own ability in that pros- possibly whatever they do, somehow will be disappointed. You know, Mbappe didn't score for like three matches or something and people are saying, you know, he's in crisis. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And Neymar, if he's not having amazing matches week in, week out, then people criticise, including me, people criticize, but um you know what he does do when he does it is just beyond words. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy with this PSG talk. I mean,
0: there's there was Mbappe a couple of weeks ago where people were mentioning why why is he um, struggling in the team after scoring up three goals. I even wrote a piece whether Neymar was a luxury player at the team. Now now the talk, really, after the couple of games they've had recently, is is, is Cavani the one that's just going to be slowly nudged out as Neymar and Mbappe just set up goals for themselves. But we'll <laughs> cross that bridge really when it comes to that. Those two are definitely in our team of the year and absolutely deserve it. On to our midfield with our mini tweaks, so you may need to nudge someone out of the way, but I will invite as many names as you like, and I'll start with you this time, Jezza. I know I'm not really giving you much time to prepare a
1: little bit of an adjustment, but um, who are your midfield duo? Well, I'll stick with what I was going to go with anyway, and just... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even though I know Fergie is going to be in there, but um, I went for... On the basis of the the, the more forward players, I went for... To slightly more defensive midfielders, central midfielders, although I do think they can both do a job going further forward as well. I've gone with um, Toussaint Leon, who I think has been absolutely fantastic. I think he's barely missed a, a game. Um, and considering he's he's so young, I think he's been a lot of the glue that's, that's kept that team together. I think they've had lots of teaming problems in defence, in attack as well, and they've needed him as the link between the two. Um, and I think he's shown maturity well beyond his years and I'm really impressed with him um, I in putting him in I feel a little bit bad leaving out his teammate Aroua who I think has been absolutely fantastic and surely going to be in um, best of teams for years to come wherever he ends up and then next to him I've gone with um, Luis Gustavo who I really think is the player that that um, I think m- m- I think he is Marseille this year. I think when he's played well, they've played well. When he hasn't or he hasn't played, they've been absolutely awful. Um, I think he can do it all. He can tackle. He can, uh, you know, really leave his boot in. I think he's got away with some nastiness a few times this year, but he's also come up with um, a few great goals. Um, Yeah, I think he's Mister Marseille this year, and I think it's difficult to leave him out.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Let's see your midfield duo then, Tom.
3: Well, I've gone for a diamond in midfield, so I've got two wide players, I've got the defensive midfielder and I've got the attacking midfielder. Thankfully, I don't need to budge anybody out because my two central base midfielders, one of them was Mr. Leon, it is Neville Fakir. I think he's been fantastic. He... I think there was a lot of people not questioning him maybe doubting him but wondering whether he could get back to the form he showed before his his previous knee injury and I think there was a lot of people that were hoping it wasn't a a Johan Gurkhoff mark 2 moment where he had this really talented player that was dogged by injuries he's this season been one of my favourite players to watch in, in a very attacking and enjoyable Leon side and I think Whether it's a second striker or an attacking midfielder or even a right midfielder, as some of us have picked today. I think he's a wonderful player. I think he's an incredibly important player. And I think, honestly, I'd probably put him in there just for holding that shirt just for (laughs) aggravating fans. Because I love that kind of stuff. But to agree with Jeremy with a defensive midfielder, I had to have someone in there that was quite defensive. So I've gone for Louis Gustavo he's been superb he's one of been one of the buyers of the season i've really enjoyed uh how he plays he's, yes he does have a bit of a nasty streak about him but what veteran doesn't you know it's unfortunately kicking people is part of the uh, game.
2: yeah I, mean, I
1: meant i meant it as a compliment I
3: oh think. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not he's not purposely going around trying to get himself booked or hurt people it's it's a, it's, a, it's an intelligent kind of get in their head kind of nasty streak and I, I, yeah i completely yeah. agree with you on, on that sense. I think he's. It's like like you said, when he when he's playing well, Marseille play well because the game almost runs. I wouldn't say they're, they're solely reliant on him, but a lot of their temper, a lot of their, their 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 style runs through him. And I think his importance in the team has has pushed him on as a player. It reminds me of what he was like a few years ago in the Bundesliga, where he was superb and it was almost like one of the most underrated midfielders in Europe. And I think once again, he's fallen into that category. He's quite underrated, not by us, of course, but on the the larger scale, a lot of people have seemed to overlook him, overlooked the signing, and he's been superb. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sam, who are your two picks?
2: Uh, I can't go past the two that Tom have mentioned. I think that that's a lovely balance in midfield, but I think they also deserve it. Fakir, what else can you say? I mean, he's been, on the whole, probably the player of of the season so far in Liga. I mean, he slipped a little bit in the last few weeks, but he was just absolutely dynamite first couple of months of the season, and he's still been decisive in these last few weeks. Luis Gustavo, signing of the season for me, just absolutely excellent. Uh, you consider the centre-halves that he is having to protect, and the fact that Marseille have a fairly decent defensive record, the 6-1 defeat to Monaco aside. Um, Luis Gustavo's just done a sensational job. He's been inspirational. He scored these key goals in big, big games. Been a great player for, for Marseille and just an excellent signing, And and that's my team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we were doing a player of the season, and I'm starting to edge away from those single awards where I can at least anyway, um, Fakir definitely would be in there. And he's definitely in our team of the year. He's also in Richards, although I think he also added in Benjamin Andre, who's already had a- Season, but that also maybe smells a little bit like Ren Bias to me a little bit. But I'll I'll let that slide because he has been good as well as is, as as his uh, his midfield partner as well, uh, Borrijo as well has been excellent. But um, Luis Gustavo is also definitely in our team of the year and in my team of the year as well. He's been Marseille's best player by uh, a fair fair margin for me at least on a consistency basis Uh, Tovan might be the one that they try and pick out but um, the Brazilian has been absolutely excellent and a linchpin and much more than we even probably anticipated given that uh, his spell at Wolfsburg was was good for for the first spell but really deteriorated as the club really slowed down as well but he's been excellent and we all know how good Fakir is we don't need to marvel it it's just fantastic to have him back on a football field more than anything showing us how uh, excellent of a footballer he is Um, finally we'll finish with the striking duo as well, which is always my favourite part of the forward... Well, our team of the year, at least, anyway. Team of the half season, I should say. Uh, Sam, who are your striking partnership?
2: Um, well, I'd so say you can't really go past um, Cavani and Falcao. Uh, they're, they're the goal scorer. They're just, just on another level, these two. Falcao, he has been Monaco for a big part of this season. He's been, he was approaching that that Atletico Madrid absolute monster level for a few months there and he's maybe slowed down a little bit but he's just been phenomenal and then Cavani I mean the man's a machine he does not stop scoring goals he's scoring a goal every 70 every 77 minutes this season which is just ludicrous and the consistency the way he did it all of last season doing it again this season never takes a break I mean it gets a lot of criticism you consider the players he's having to share goals with now you know, he's not He's not the only main player now. Neymar's going to score some goals. Mbappe's going to score some goals. But Cavani's still scoring more than a goal a game. Fantastic. It has to be those two for me.
1: Jess, who are you having up front? Um, so, first of all, honourable mentions for Toko Kambi and Mariano Diaz, who I think are pretty unlucky not to get in because I think they both had very good starts this season. Um... Or reworking uh, well, on the basis of the way the team's going I think it's got to be Cavani and Falcao but on the basis of how I was going to have it I would have had uh, Fekir behind one striker and of those two I think I'd have gone with Falcao I think if Falcao was playing for that PSG team, he'd have more goals on Cavani, I think he's more clinical um, and I just think oh, yeah, he's, he's at times he has carried Monaco this year. Um, and I still think Cavani can um, bottle it a little bit in big matches. I'm not sure Falcao does. And almost just for um, the touch that he came up with, was it for... I can't remember if it was... Yes, no, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been yesterday. It would have been the match at the weekend when he scored. His first touch was just yeah. beautiful. I think I'd put him in just for that. <laughs> he he is capable of those little moments, isn't he? That that does always endear
0: us a little bit more, at least. Anyway, Tom, who do you have?
3: I'm going to be controversial here and go with Edison Cavani and Radamel Falcao. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to have picked someone like Toko Akembi because of how important he's been to Angers, but you know it's it was like the winger situation. You've got some other, you've got some really good wing players out there. That probably do deserve to be in this team. If if Mbappe and Neymar didn't exist, I think it's the same with the strikers. There's a lot of strikers in the league that you know could probably stake a claim to be in here. But Cavani and Falcao are just so good when it comes to scoring. And I know Cavani does get a lot of criticism. And for for the longest time, I was massively against him. But for whatever reason, I, I've turned. I, I I'm I, li- I like him. He's, he's, I'm I'm a big fan of his because. I don't know whether Neymar coming in and almost being the top dog, and you know, after last season what he what he did as the main guy, and then once again he's pushed to the to the secondary role, and he's still scoring. You know, Falcao's in here because you know I dread to think where Monaco would be without him, and he's one of the best strikers we've seen in the past decade. I know. That's going back a long way, but he's unbelievable. And thankfully, we've got we've got signs of him what he was like at Porto and Atletico. You know, we're so, we're seeing what he's like in that form. But I think Cavani, especially with what he's had to put up with and who he's had to share his goals with, I think I, uh, I think I tweeted out uh, the other day when when the PSG played that Edison Cavani has scored fifty goals in, in this year alone. So it's still relevant. Know team of the year, half even, whatever. Yeah. More than any other player in Europe's top five leagues, and when you consider some of the players that have been in uh, the top five leagues, it's that's impressive. Regardless of how many chances he misses, regardless of how many of, the, of who he's playing, that's still an outrageous stat. I think you know. I think with Neymar coming in and Mbappe coming in, and, and the, the responsibilities he's had to, to show, you know, Falcao in this team probably would score more because he's an unbelievable striker. But with Cavani and his role, I think he's done exceptionally well to get as many goals as he has.
0: And it's a unanimous sweep for those duo. Rich has them in that. His team, I would have them both in my team as well. They have been both terrific. I think all of you have covered really the bases of, of what they've been And That Cavani stat is great. He's only a goal off the... Malevelling levelling Zlatan Ibrahimović's record for Paris Saint-Germain now as well, which is a, a terrific feat for the Uruguayan. And, and it's great to see the Colombia being so much better than the, what we saw at the sort of loan spells at Manchester United and Chelsea, getting back to the kind of level we anticipate seeing from... Uh, from He's maybe a little bit... Sp- Pulling the really is doing
3: um, our hearty
1: back with.
0: So um, we move on to our manager of the year now, and uh, that will start with, let's have a look. Um, So there's a couple of different candidates really for here. Uh, I will start with Richards actually, of his candidate for manager of the year, and that is either Ranieri or Pellissier. And I'll start with you, Sam. Um, Who is your manager of the year? Oh, well, of the half season, sorry.
2: Uh, Well, I gave this uh, a bit of thought. There's a few different options. I mean, I I like the fact that Leon and Marseille have sort of outperformed expectations. Uh, I don't think you can give it to Genesio, though. I think it's maybe more uh, down to the players, perhaps, than it is down to to the manager, so I wouldn't give it to him. I think, uh, as well, Garcia's done done really well to bring his team back together from some of those disastrous results early in the season, but you can't forget about those. so for me, yeah, I just landed I landed with Ranieri. I think he's he's done an excellent job. He too had some troubles early on, uh, but he righted the ship. And, and, you know, now they're right up there in the European places. I think that's, it's excellent. It's not a Leicester. He's not going to do a Leicester again, probably. Uh,
0: but he's done an excellent job. Jez, who's your manager of the year? Oh, what, half-season I Akik? Got to get this right one
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I toyed with Ranieri and obviously he's doing a very good job there better than I expected not to be doing. But I just think they play such horrific football that I just I, I'd i feel I couldn't live with myself if I gave it to him. So I was torn between a couple of others. I think carrion is doing a great job at Montpellier. I'm not getting too much credit for it. Um, but it's also quite defensive based. Um, I've gone with Thierry Laure at Strasbourg. Um, I wasn't, I thought they would struggle a little more than they are. Um, but I think they're doing very well. They're playing some really entertaining football, so I think they're doing it with a bit of style. Um, and I generally think he's like quite—he's quite an affable character as well. Um, I just, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I'd, I'd give it to to Laurie at Strasbourg.
3: Tom. Normally, when I pick a manager of the half season, mm. I go to whoever's top of the league because nine times out of ten. They 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 are the best manager. However, uh, I'm not I'm not hating Unai Emery. I, I I do like him. He seems like a nice enough fella. But I don't want to shock anyone here. But I don't think PSG are top because of his tactics. So I'm going to pass on him. The my pick. He's not going to do a Leicester, but he's doing well enough with the team he's got. Claudio Ranieri. Yes, his team's playing. His team is playing rather dull football, but they have a goal difference of zero. And I've spoken before, I love that. I love the fact they have a zero goal difference because it's so delightfully dull. And it's a weird thing to give a, someone a manager of the half season because of how dull their team is. But it's, I don't going to sound quite harsh. I don't give extra points on the style. He's dull. He's got nonce to fifth. After when many people probably said, a thought in the summer, they're going to struggle. They're not going to do very well. But for some reason, they're 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 knocking on the European places, and I I love how dull they are. Sometimes
0: a little bit of watching paint dry does help uh, help <laughs> the mind. Sometimes at least. But it is Claudio Ranieri that is our manager of the half season as we've had a unanimous vote and he was pretty close in mind there was a couple of names I wanted not not unanimous no not unanimous (laughs) absolutely not because I I would have actually agreed with you Jez I think Thierry Loret done an excellent job there's a couple of other names I would throw in there I think Pellissier Amien Rich mentioned in his as well has done a terrific job with a club with very little really to go on and I also like to mention Olivier Delalio. I mean we've mentioned Dijon a few times and they're great attacking football but them playing such good football in the last couple of weeks as well and, and really making entertaining games while really pulling out some excellent results at the same time especially at home um, he's really made that side go up a tier when we thought that they would really struggle without the goals of Lois Dione in fact they've sort of subverted that and that's really really excellent to see from uh, from the manager there in uh, mustard country at least I, as I always like to call it at least I don't think they would particularly like me mentioning that Um uh, on to disappointment. So when I say disappointment of the half season, that can be a club, a manager, or a player. So we we'll give you a bit of free reign on this one. It'll be the same for the surprise as well. And I'll start with you, Jez. Um, what's your surprise of the half season? Oh, sorry, disappointment. Sorry, I'm reading, reading off the script.
1: Disappointment of the half season. Um, I... I think that disappointment actually makes it e- e- easier than if you'd said flopper this season and I possibly would have put Saint-Étienne in general and or Bielsa. Um, but um, I think possibly both of them were coming, so maybe not disappointments. My disappointment so far has been um, Tielemans for Monaco. Um, I know possibly there's mitigating circumstances, that, you know, for a start he hasn't been picked every match he's he's had an injury recently but I just thought he would set the league on fire I just I was so excited when Monaco signed him I couldn't wait for him to to sort of be unleashed on on league this year and it just hasn't quite happened yet I still think it will but it hasn't yet and that's been a, dis- a disappointment for me. Sam what's your disappointment of the
0: year so far?
2: I had really high hopes for Bordeaux. I thought they were going to be exciting, fun, good to watch. And none of those things had happened. They weren't exciting or fun or good to watch, but at least they were occasionally winning, and now they're not even doing that. Uh, Bordeaux in general, they're my disappointment.
3: Tom? I had picked, like Sam, I had picked Bordeaux because I expected a lot from them. I, I enjoyed watching some of their stuff last season and with Malcolm in their side, one of the most exciting players in the league and possibly in in Europe especially for a young player I expected a lot more than them, from, from them but when you said player and it threw me off a little bit because i I, I prepared to talk about a club or a team and 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 what whatnot but when Jeremy mentioned Yuri Thman it all came flooding back to me and I sat here and I thought I forgot he was at Monaco that's why he's a disappointment I forgot he was at the club I was so looking forward to seeing him perform in a good team with good attacking players in front of him. Cause I, I, I thought I looked at the team and I thought this is made for him in that deep line playmaker kind of position or even going forward. I think it was made for that kind of player but for whatever reason, he's not kicked on. He's not getting picked up every game. And I think it's, it's a massive disappointment because one, he was a football manager, God, a couple of years ago. And I think everybody that signed him when he was 17 from Andalect wanted him to do well. And because a lot of people expected him to kick on, especially in a good team like this. So it might sound like a cop out. But honest to God, I had prepared Bordeaux for my disappointment. But also, Yuri Tielemans is up there as well.
0: I'm going to save poor young Uriti from a little bit of embarrassment, at least, anyway, because uh, Rich has picked both Saint Etienne and Bordeaux, as well as players like Mitroglou and. Uh De Preville, how how dare he? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the disappointment has to be Bordeaux. I mean, a lot of us were tipping them to be potential European contenders, especially when they were on a really good start to the season. We were thinking, oh, they might even be a team that that fights for third. But they've absolutely crumbled over the last sort of couple of months. Um, they've been awful. They play awful football. They're playing um, someone who can't even really walk at centre back. It seems nowadays they seem like an open river at times. They can't score goals. They're ruining one of my favourite players in Liga. Why can't I? Why can't they recover the prevail? I don't know. Um, they definitely our, our disappointment of the half season. So uh, that's unfortunate for Bordeaux. But surprise is one of my favourite rewards, at least anyway for the for the half term. And I'll start with you, Sam. Who's your surprise been?
2: My surprise is, it's a pleasant surprise. Uh, it's Gail Kakuta. Um, for a guy who, you know, the center of the storm with Chelsea, with all the unpleasantness that happened there, he's been this wandering figure. He's been all over Europe. He's played in Asia. This is his 11th club now. But he seems to have finally found something like a home. You know, he's, he's such a big player for Amiens. He's scoring goals, making things happen. He's, you know, he's begun his international career this year. Uh, it's just its a lot of fun to see a guy who looked like he might be sort of lost, you know, missed his chance to have a career, is having a great year in Liga, and, and it's just a lot of fun to watch. And He's part of a team in Amiens that have also been something of a surprise,
1: yeah. And uh, Jez, who's your surprise? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go similarly, I think. Um, I was going to go jointly Amia and um, Strasbourg for for the way they've been playing. I thought Amnia were nailed down to to go down. If you told me at this stage of the season, there'd be a team adrift on 11 points, I'd have said it would be Amnia. Sadly not. Um, But I think they and Strasbourg are doing so much better than than I thought they would do. As I said about Lorette, I think not only are they outperforming expectations, but they're doing it in a decent way. Um, you know, they're not afraid to to go at other teams. They're not afraid to attack. Um, they're they're doing it for the most part with with um you know just good spirit and not good humour. But I just, yeah, I just think both both teams, at least on the pitch. Um, I mean, I've had issues off the pitch, but I think both teams have made themselves very likable. And yeah, I think they've both been very pleasant surprises. Tom. Yeah, I'm going to have to
3: agree. The two promoted teams, as, as Jeremy was saying, you probably would have had at least one of them nailed down to go down. Um, I think they've surprised people not only with their results and, and where they are on the table, but also the, the, the football they're playing is it's good. It's good stuff. And I think long may it continue because I think they add a lot to the league. It's nice to see teams that have come up, you know, be brave, be bold, and to. You know, stamp their own mark on it in 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 some way, and I think, you know, it's a pleasant surprise. Uh, yeah, I, I, he, Jeremy covered it a lot better than
0: I could. <laughs> yeah, I think well, it's, it's obviously a unanimous choice for one of those teams, and it is and, Um and the form of both all promoted sides. Really, I mean, we've not really mentioned twelve, but they've. Kept their heads above water, getting some nice solid wins, although it's sort of been scattermouse that's uh, maybe not shown them as much. There's a couple of other ones, I mean, not have been a great surprise, but I think they've probably, with Ranieri getting an award, they've probably got enough of <laughs> of them for the evening, at least, anyway. And and how, uh, Rich mentions how well OL well have coped with the significant change in summer, which has been a, a real surprise to a lot of us, really, of how excellent they've played. And they might be mentioned in the next award, I have some feeling about as well, but it is Amien that will be our surprise of the season. Um, kudos to the teams of Strasbourg and Twa as well, who I've picked up recently. But the club of Amiens to go from National to to Liga, but also be so such a small sort of budget, such a small team. They've really, really excelled with players like Kakuta, who has sort of been brought out of the wilderness and, and has performed excellently and, and uh, much of the like. And kudos to them for really, really, Putting up a great fighting league, and many of us predicted that they would be really the whipping boys of the division uh, this season. We finish on a great award that I really love, with uh, obviously our wonderful prospect series, and that is the one to watch for 2018. We'll try to keep this to young players if we can, um, and I'll start with you, Tom. Who's your one to watch in 2018?
3: Now, I think this might one. This my choice. Might it might have to be deliberated on. He is a young player, but he's not exactly hidden. He's not a surprise, but I think he's about to have a huge year ahead of him. A couple of weeks ago, there were stories linking Malcolm to Manchester United. And there was a couple of people that were saying, oh, he can't be very good. He's not even spelt Malcolm the right way. And I think that was quite unfair because clearly there's a lot of people that aren't familiar with who he is. We are, because we see him, we enjoy him, he's a wonderful player. But on the larger scale of things, I think, one, Bordeaux get their act together, Guvenek sorts the ship out, and I, I I hope he stays, I hope he sorts the ship out, I think he will. I think Malcolm plays a huge part in this, in this restabil- restabilis... Yeah, yep. I would get the words <laughs> out, but I don't think we've got enough time. I think he has a big year. I'm making the prediction now. I'm thinking. I'm thinking far ahead into the future. I think he's going to the World Cup. Maybe not even as a starter because that's a stacked Brazil team. But I think he's there. I think he makes an impression, and I think coupled with his Liga form, that I, I'm building him up to tear the league down. And hopefully, he doesn't prove me uh, wrong. I think he'd be the the one to really keep an eye on to go to that next level because we know what he's capable of now. But when he's got more to play for in terms of getting into a a world cup squad at such a young age i think he's ready to burst onto the to a bigger stage and that might even be as soon as january to be
0: fair if if some of the uh, reports are to be believed Mm. uh jez who's your one to watch for 2018
1: well you you mentioned that leon might be mentioned in this section uh it could be any one of several players i think Ndombele has been fantastic and could easily have been maybe a candidate for surprise of the season so far they've got Guiri, Goebbels, malida to, to you know already making appearances in the squad and to come through but um i think um, my my choice would be husemo i you know he's another one that we'd heard good things about for the last couple of years we we're expecting him to break in but i don't think anyone expected him to break into the team to such quick and amazing effect i just he's just i think i said a few weeks ago he saw he's a galaxy chocolate bar of a footballer he's just <laughs> beautiful to watch he glides he he i wouldn't say gets stuck in but he's not scared to to you know, go in for challenges or receive um hefty tackles. He's just—he's lovely on the ball, beautiful pass, can finish as well. I just versatile, can play in two or three different positions. I—I I just think he's—he's he's delicious. <laughs> I'm careful, this might get a bit steamy on this
0: podcast. Lately, <laughs> I think, uh, Sam, what—what's your pick for the one to watch in 2018?
2: Uh, it may feel a little bit unoriginal but I mean I'm just in love with with our as well I think I think he's just fantastic I mean how quickly he's adapted to being a starter in liga and in Europe as well I mean he's been decisive he makes things happen for you know it's a young team Leon but he is one of the youngest players in it and he's just excellent the fact that he's he's versatile enough to play a deeper central role an attacking wide role he looks comfortable in both he, he just he's been fantastic he's only played 12 games it's amazing it, you know he feels like a household name almost for those of us who who watch week in week out now but he just seems sensational and the sky really is the limit this this is apparently the golden generation of of Leon's academy and uh you know we mentioned Jeremy mentioned quite a few of these young players who are coming through but he seems the pick of the bunch for now at least
0: yeah, and unsurprisingly, that's also Rich's pick for the one to watch, and it is my pick as well. I think he's a fabulous young player. Um, he can play out wide if you if you're not aware of him yet. He can play out wide. He can play in central areas. I think he. I mentioned a few times that it gives Leon the flexibility now of playing maybe a 4-3-3 if they need to. If they need to rest for Kier, he can play central attacking midfield. He can play out wide where he replaced a pie at the uh, in the game against at the uh, the weekend and the one against Marseille as well. He's. So Such a versatile player at such a young age and is so gifted on the ball he's really got the potential to be something really really special in the honor he's certainly one for everyone to keep their eyes on he's our final award for the half-term season. And that's all that we have time for this evening. My thanks to Jez, Tom, Sam, and all of you listening at home. Uh, The show will return in the new year, so keep your eyes peeled for the first show of 2018 over our channels on Twitter. Uh, But for now, and from everyone at GFFN, we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. A and goodbye.